You're listening to The Path Forward Dayton, a Dayton Daily News podcast where we discuss the most pressing issues facing our region and seek solutions. I'm your host, Dayton Daily News Community Impact Editor, Nick Herkman. Today's episode features an interview with Maha Kashani, a member of the Dayton Daily News Community Advisory Board. The Community Advisory Board meets monthly to help identify issues important to our region and provide feedback on our coverage of key stories. Yeah, so I'm Maha Kashani. I'm a Senior Regional Sales Manager for IGS Energy. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maha, for being here with us today. Um, uh, You're working on an op-ed for this coming Sunday's Ideas and Voices about immigration, and you begin your piece with your father leading your family out of Iran. Uh, Do you have specific memories of that? Actually, I was was pretty young. I was about two and a half years old when that happened. Uh, There's no real memories I have. It's just stories from our family. I mean, the Iran's had kind of a tumultuous a tumultuous past sure. with the Islamic Revolution mm-hmm. and then the war between Iran and Iraq. And um, my mom is actually Iraqi. My dad's Iranian. My dad was here getting his master's and his mother got sick. So he went back to Iran at the same time where Saddam Hussein expelled uh, mm-hmm. Iraqis of Iranian descent. And my mom and dad ended up in the same city. My uh-huh. mom met my cousin, actually, who's uh, my dad's the youngest. So my cousin was about my dad's age and um, had her over for tea. And my dad was there and was like, oh, who's that? <laughs> got to meet my dad and, uh, you know, they got married, had me and stuck around through several years of the war. But things just got really bad. And ultimately, my dad had an opportunity to come back to the United States and pursue his Ph.D., which is what he did. And so he brought us over, you know, with the um, American dream in our eyes. And uh, I guess the rest is history. So I don't remember a lot of being there because I was very young when we came over, but um, a lot of memories from our family members about that time and what it was like and photos. I mean, it was really beautiful to be surrounded by family. Mm -hmm. We came here and we had nobody. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, the first time I went back to Iran, I was maybe seven and I was just shocked to have so many aunts and uncles and cousins because back then communication wasn't as readily available as it is now. You know, it was like a dollar or two dollars a minute to call, you know, so when I would call, it would be a brief conversation and I didn't really know how big the extent of our family was. So we came to the United States kind of isolated and then we began, once we became, um, got our green cards Mm -hmm. and had the ability to go back and forth. Well, that's awesome. I, I think that Iranian father, Iraqi mother, kind of the Shakespearean. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I think that's really cool. It's, yeah, 90, I was in sixth grade. It was our um, Thanksgiving break. Okay. And we uh, came over. My dad got a job at the University of Dayton. He came first and, you know, got settled. And my mom and my sister and I came next. And uh, we lived. We moved straight to the Centerville community and okay. lived there until um, I moved out on my own. I lived in Centerville for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. I migrated downtown. That's right. That's right. I mean, that that does call back a lot of the Miss Maha in the city experiences. Uh, all of the the columns from uh, City Paper was what started in 2010. Yeah, ran for how many years? So I think I was six years writing for the City okay. Paper. Yeah. Excellent. And so I mean, Miss Maha in the city that kind of started. Uh, your column talking about city life, talking about what it's like in downtown. And I mean, that was almost exactly the same time I moved back downtown. Oh, yeah. I was I graduated uh, from Ohio University in 2009. I, I moved back downtown. I made a decision. I wanted to live in Dayton. I wanted to yeah. live in an urban walkable community. And I, I really liked, you know, living in downtown. And I mean, even at that point, I feel like Dayton has undergone, undergone such a transformation since then to now. Um, I was just wondering uh, if... 
if uh, what has changed in you? Obviously, a lot has changed, uh, both <laughs> in your life and in Dayton since then. Yeah. Well, you know, I remember um, I moved to Chicago for a year. I had moved back in '09, and having lived in Chicago, um, I experienced that city life. And yeah. so when I came back, I was kind of looking for more. Centerville and you know the suburbs weren't really doing it for me. So I began to explore downtown, mm -hmm. coming to events downtown, being involved with Generation Dayton. Mm -hmm. Up Dayton had, you know, was a new thing that just came around and there was a lot of spirit and uh, excitement remember, yeah. around all that stuff going on. And I just, I just fell in love with downtown. It was like a pint-sized Chicago for me. <laughs> Very <that>. walkable. <laughs> we had great arts, cool, unique restaurants. You know, the suburbs, I, no offense, but there are a lot of chain restaurants and yeah. there's not a lot of original things. And the city was full of everything that was original. Yeah. And I just loved it. And I remember telling people I was moving downtown, and I guess that was 2010, and I would just get this weird side eye, like, why would you want to live downtown? Yeah. And, oh no, and do you think it's safe? You know, all these, uh, I guess, kind of naysayers, and there was still and a very negative stigma towards downtown. And, and I think that I was one of the people that, you know, with you included, and so many of us rolled up our sleeves, and we decided that this wasn't the image we wanted for downtown, yeah. and that there was so much possibility and potential for our city. And I felt over the years, all of a sudden, people were like, oh, downtown's cool. I want to come downtown. Oh, I'm coming downtown for brunch. Or let's go downtown this weekend. Like things I'd never heard, you know, before having moved downtown. And it was just slowly the perception was changing because there were people like you and I who were just out there and promoting all the great things that were happening downtown and how cool and unique and original it was. Yeah, and I think your column, this Maha in the City, absolutely, like you said, it was part of people rolling up their sleeves. It's what you did to, to shed a light because I think there is still that perception still even in the suburbs and people from the suburbs that downtown's still dangerous, there's nothing going on, there's nothing to do. And so by having a, a regular column in the city paper, you're able to, to expose people to that and maybe have changed their minds. So I think it's really awesome that you uh, did that for six years and yeah, you were able to, to uh, continue to write. And I think you're a great writer. And thank you again for contributing a sure, piece in our, in our coming Sunday. Um, uh, tell me, what do you think, you know, looking back 2010, 2000, it's been 12 years now, um, what do you think is the most impressive thing Dayton's been able to, to turn around or change? I think the housing has yeah. really been amazing. I mean, I remember uh, I was on a wait list at the cannery forever yeah. <laughs> and I just wanted to live downtown and yeah. there was only a couple options and yeah. ultimately I signed for my apartment sight unseen because the couple I waited for to be like, oh, let me just check it out. They were, other people were signing sight unseen. So yeah. there was such little inventory that was available and there was this growing demand for housing downtown. Mm -hmm. And now you, everywhere you look, I mean, Delco lofts and the, with the condo I ended up, you know, buying in, you know, uh, six street lofts and just so many different options that yeah. are here now. Uh, it really is amazing to see. And that's what's brought a lot of young people and empty nesters downtown. And that's really helped kind of build up that population density that downtown is needed to support amazing places like Tender Mercy and Sueno and, you know, world-class um, institutions, I feel, from a dining perspective and from an entertainment perspective and keep things alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you'd mentioned Up Dayton and uh, some of the stuff with the chamber and, and Generation Dayton. And you were involved, I think, in a lot of leadership capacity with some of those organizations and a lot of other organizations. I think uh, you were currently on the Women's Board at Dayton Children's. Yeah. Uh, you were involved with the Better Business Bureau. And you're also, you were the president of the Dayton Arab American Forum. Are you still? Yes, you... I am not. I'm a past president now. Gotcha. So I'm just on our board of trustees. And uh, yes, I'm the vice chairperson for the Better Business Bureau. And I'm also on the board of directors for Day Air Credit Union. That's fantastic. And I mean, you're just in a lot of leadership roles. What do you think draws you to those leadership? roles or what do you think set question. that in motion <laughs> you know um 
to be honest, almost all of the leadership roles came to me okay. for the most part. Uh, well, with the Women's Board for Children's, I did reach out and express some interest there. But um, with, I think, just being active and involved in the community, being a young person, taking a very active interest in business in yeah. Dayton um, and everything that's happened with, you know, from really from when NCR left and this huge slump that we had in the recession and trying to, you know, build that back and the growth of healthcare and everything that the Dayton Development Coalition is doing. Um, the BRAC, I mean, there's so many different things and I feel like I've had um, a, a strong interest in economic development, a strong interest overall in business and I, um, you know, the rolling up your sleeves, right? Like I showed up, I, I, I did some work, mm -hmm. I volunteered my time at a lot of different places and I met people and it's really a lot about networking. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes and I don't know if I'm fully qualified to be all the, you know, <laughs> like being asked to do what I do, but it's just showing up, yeah. being there, having a genuine interest in, in bettering the business community and bettering our community overall and in raising money for Children's Hospital. I mean, those are things that I'm very passionate about and mm -hmm. I think that's important and that passion comes through and those opportunities can find you. Absolutely. Do, do you mind expanding just a little bit about networking in Dayton and what that's looked like? Because you've been very involved, you've been very active for, for many years. Um, someone coming, you know, new to Dayton, wants to get involved, wants to learn, you know, who's around, what's to do, how to get involved in their community. What do you think is their best resource to connect them to those things? Yeah, so I guess it depends on where they are in their career, sure. right? So if you're a young professional, I definitely look at organizations like Generation Dayton mm -hmm. because they have a social aspect, a professional development aspect, and a community service aspect. Mm -hmm. So there's really something for everybody. And if, if I look back at my experience with Generation Dayton, the people who we were like 23, 24, 25 years old, and we were out there networking, and and those people now, like me, are leaders in this community. I mean, the people that decide to invest in their professional development and networking at a very young age are the ones that, you know, we've seen progress rapidly in their careers and are now these leaders in that next generation of leadership in our community. So understanding where you are in your career, if you're a little bit younger, really connecting with other young folks that are like-minded. Um, volunteerism, I think mm -hmm. finding an organization that you're really passionate about, whether it's a Humane Society or Children's Hospital, uh, any of these groups in town, I've done a lot of work with uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society mm -hmm. and, and the research that they do for, for uh, blood cancer. And it's um, if it's something that you're really passionate about, you do a really good job and you align yourself with other people who I believe are successful and are leaders in the community and are the same. And that's uh, probably one of the best ways is volunteering your time. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's like, you know, the, the traditional networking events, but sometimes those can be a little, little I don't know, forced yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit forced, right? They're yeah. not as natural and as organic. That's a good way to put it. Sure. Fundraisers in town are a great way to network, you know, but again, finding organizations that you're passionate about because mm -hmm. you guys, are, you're there for a mutual reason, which is not necessarily networking, but you're organically networking and developing a relationship. Yeah, you already have a shared interest, you mm -hmm. already have a shared passion, and that's a great way to, yeah. to build from there. Um, tell me a little bit about your current job. So I work for IGS Energy. I am in sales. I structure energy solutions for customers. Uh, as you've probably heard or seen, we're uh, living in a global energy crisis right now, <laughs> and it's been kind of a wild ride. So yeah. I work with large institutions, government entities, um, hospitals, et cetera, to help them understand where the energy market is and hedge or mitigate their energy price risk. Gotcha. That sounds very complicated and very interesting, and particularly now, like with all yes. the, the geopolitical aspects of it going on. Um, what I guess has that looked like recently? What what are those scary changes, or uh, what what causes some of that disruption for you? I mean, well, today is a great example. I mean, day over day, we had a ten percent increase in energy prices, wow. which is uh, in it from a strip perspective. So if you're looking at a calendar 22 strip or 23, like sometimes you can see an individual month, energy prices change by month. Mm -hmm. 
uh, they're trading all day long, right? So you see that at the gas pump, some days it's up, some days it's down. But what we've seen now is these extended periods of time where the energy prices are extremely impacted. I mean, if looking at a year ago, we're looking at double. Oh, yeah. especially natural gas. I mean, that's really challenging. And, and as I said, I work with customers to hedge and mitigate that risk, but you can only do that for a certain duration of time. So there are, consumers are feeling it already, you know, at home, you probably saw your, your heating bill has gone up like crazy. Businesses whose hedges are expiring are going to now be facing potentially a, a 2X increase to their energy bill. And that's a huge deal for manufacturing. Sure. And yeah. there's a huge risk of a recession coming from that because yeah. energy is one of the largest raw item costs in the manufacturing process. So it's scary. It is it, scary. It is yeah. scary. And every day it keeps going up. We're like, oh, it's going to come back down. Oh, it's now it's like, oh my gosh, how far can it go? Yeah. I mean, that is, I mean, it's certainly alarming. It's something everybody's paying attention to and I, I mean with your role it seems like you have you have that long distance view you're seeing you know what's coming and it, it's important to pay attention to I guess the long-term trends and what's coming yeah. next and I, I imagine it's incredibly difficult to predict what with everything going on with the Ukraine and and Russia and and embargoes and yeah. oil and everything so I mean there's just so much going on um, I, I wonder what do you I guess what do you think those consequences will be for the the average Daytonian I think that uh, the expectation that your energy price is going to go up, yeah, absolutely. You've already seen it. Yeah. There's a, uh, a a massive energy increase that's coming for the electric bills, the gas bills that's already come through for your typical residential bill, your electric bills that's coming through here in the in a couple months, and just making sure that you're budgeting. I mean, yeah. you know, it's possible that your your power bill could be double. Yeah, that that is alarming, and I guess yeah. Go green. <laughs> yeah, and go green. And, and you know, and there's challenges there. I mean, it's be, I mean, it's really helping the economics of the go green argument, sure, right? Absolutely. And solar, and and there were a lot of challenges with the um, with as we're seeing everywhere from a supply chain perspective. But the cost of solar went up as a result of sure. the pandemic. But what we're seeing now is this cost of actual brown power is is far outpacing that cost of solar, which is staying relatively flat because it's just your your kind of time and material build cost, right? It's not really market-based. Once you build that solar plant on your roof or in your on your property, wherever that might be at your business, then it's just the cost to, to operate and maintain it. Sure. And you're not you're not dealing with this fluctuation that we're seeing in the energy market. And are you seeing more of that adoption oh, yeah. uh, locally? Excellent. I mean, probably in the last year or so. I mean, I've I've done more green deals than I've done in my whole career combined. Wow. Wow. Um. Um. So again, you're on the Dayton Daily News Community Advisory Board. How has that experience been so far and what do you hope to get out of it this year? Yeah, it's actually been really cool. It's a very diverse group of people. Uh, I've, I've served on a lot of different committees and I've sat on different boards and it's definitely the most diverse one that I've been on so far, which is fantastic. And just really great content, uh, content and opinions that are coming out mm -hmm. of the different folks and the topics that we're talking about. You know, the immigration topic I think is, is really, a fantastic one. Uh, part of what I talk about in my column is how immigrants have been villainized and um, there's just this like negative connotation towards immigrants and almost like they're the problem. And sure. I don't necessarily think that they're the problem. I think they can actually be part of the solution for some of the challenges that we're having in our community today, especially the labor shortage that we're dealing with. So um, it's just nice to have different people from such different walks of life be able to not necessarily debate, but give their opinion and their, and their perspective based on their individual background. Sure. In some of our breakout sessions, you know, I've, I've made a comment and somebody has made an amazing counter comment that I'm like, wow, I just really didn't think about it that way, yeah. you know, and um, I love that. 
I love, you know, that intellectual curiosity. I love being pushed to think about things in different ways and in a, in a very cordial setting, right? It's not, even though there's all kinds of different political backgrounds and, you know, socioeconomic backgrounds, there's so much respect amongst the group. And we're really just talking about here are the challenges that our community is facing and how do we make them better. No, that's great to hear. And that's, that's kind of the environment we hope to foster. And with that board, we hope to accomplish a lot this year and in future years. Um, just helping guide us. I mean, we like to think we know what's going on in town, but we always, of course, need different perspectives. We need different viewpoints. We need people to weigh in with their experiences day in and day out as leaders in the community, as, as people that are seeing stuff uh, day to day. Um, what do you have planned for the future and what do you hope to see happen in Dayton in 2022? Oh gosh, well, I am expecting. So, um, a lot of my plans revolve around like managing two children instead of one and what that's going to look and feel like for me. <laughs> so from a personal perspective, uh, you know, being a working mother and um, expecting it is hard because it's hard to really try to make plans. And um, when you make plans, they don't necessarily go the way that you want them to go. Sure. But what I love, even though I've had to take a little bit of a step back, especially as becoming a parent, especially as being expecting, is just there's this new energy I feel that's come into town. Um, this next generation, I mean, there's an individual who works for the city of Dayton. Her name is Meg, and she is in their sustainability department, and she's fantastic. And every time yeah. I talk to her, I'm charged and re-energized because she just reminds me of me when I was 25 years old, you know? All these ideas, and here's what I want to do, and I love downtown, and here's where we want to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to like pass the baton on to her. Yeah. And um, it's just seeing that new energy, new people, seeing all the different things that are popping up. And then, um, you know, a continued, um, this rally support for downtown. No, that's fantastic. I like that idea of passing the baton. And I guess, what, what would you advise, what piece of advice would you give to a young Maha, the Maha in the city that started in 2010? If you could give advice, you know, speaking to her or somebody new to town, what would that look like? Yeah, I think it's, well, you know, what I was doing and the mentality I had was I went, like, if I didn't have something going on, I went to the event yeah. or I went to whatever it was, the reception, the volunteer opportunity, because I just didn't know. And I have one of those people that love to explore and I just wanted to experience things. So I think it's all about experiences. Get as many experiences as possible. Get Push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone. You'll never know who you're meet. You'll never know what uh, opportunity you might uncover or what experience might sing to you or call to you and, and take you down a different road in life. I feel uh, I've pivoted and churned and I've had different failures in different places and I've just been open to that, embracing failure, embracing experiences, embracing change. That's really, really important because sometimes I think we can be stuck in our bubble sure. and not really want to step outside of it. So whatever you can do, if that, if that opportunity pops up, instead of being like, oh, I don't feel like going, just go. Yeah. Why not? You know, if you have nothing else to do, I mean, what is there to lose? Yeah, no, I hear that. And I think that's that's a complaint I've heard about Dayton often in the past is that there's nothing going on or I don't know what to do or I don't feel like it or something like that. And I just feel like that advice, you know, just going, you know, getting past that initial hurdle or obstacle or not feeling like it and just putting yourself out there a little bit, getting out of your bubble, getting out of the safety zone just a little bit opens yourself up to those new experiences. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can learn so much from that. And those connections then build and you, you start mm -hmm. to connect with other folks in town and learn about what else is going on. And I think that's just, it's that initial step. It's just, you know, that yeah. push that sometimes yeah, is required. It just, I used to just go alone. You know, yeah. I've probably been to every single festival that's happened in Dayton just because I was like, which is, which is the best festival? Which yeah. one do I love? <laughs> you know, which one am I into? Like, do I love popcorn? Am I apples? Is it strawberries? <laughs> 
you know, it's, it, you know, and, and then the cultural festivals, like the African American Cultural Festival mm-hmm. and the uh, Hispanic Cultural Festival. I mean, those are just amazing. And I remember the first couple times I went, I went alone. Yeah. Just because I'm like, oh, I couldn't really find anybody to go, but I wasn't doing anything and I just wanted to try it out. Everybody goes to Italian festival, right? You know, oh. but there's some of these lesser known festivals that you have in town, the cultural festivals, the Egyptian festival, you know, at, at their church that they have and the Lebanese festival, mm-hmm. the Greek festival. I mean, there's so many things that are going on. You just have to look for them a little bit. And so if, if it comes up or you see the opportunity, check it out. You guys have a great calendar on your website. Mm-hmm. Dayton.com does a great job highlighting those things. Just go. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. And are you looking forward to, to festival season yes. again now that, I mean, we've come out of, the, it looks like the worst of the pandemic yeah. and hopefully things are opening back up a little bit. People feel a little bit safer going out. Are you looking forward to festival I season? I am. And I'm looking forward to taking my daughter. She's at that oh, age where she's just going to love it. Yeah. that's You fantastic. know, running around, trying out different things, looking at the different shops, seeing other kids, balloons, face painting. I mean, all that stuff that I never even paid attention to as a young professional, you know, now I'm like, oh, wow, my daughter's going to love this. <laughs> so it's that. just a different experience, you know, sure. going it as a parent now. And, and it's almost like rediscovering the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, as you had pointed out that there's, you know, coverage gaps in for young parents in particular, are there any other things that you think the Dane Daily News can do better or, or to better serve the communities? Uh, is there something you've learned recently that you think you'd like to share or is just something uh, you think most people don't know about that you think it deserves coverage? Well, I, you know, from a professional perspective, the energy crisis that we're dealing with, I think it's gotten a little bit of coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ramifications, I believe, are going to be huge, and it keeps getting worse. Everybody, myself included, at the end of last year, were like, oh, okay, let's just get through winter. Winter is always volatile. Sure. You know, and then all of a sudden, the Ukraine and Russia thing happened. And then, you know, we didn't really see a huge run in prices, and all of a sudden, now we're in this uncertainty period where we're, we know that we're going to be exporting a lot more of our natural resources you know, natural gas, which is the primary fuel source for power generation in the United States because of so many coal retirements, um, is, is really the driver for our pricing. And, and mm-hmm. our president has announced that we're going to be exporting more of that natural gas. We've already maxed out our exports, and now we've made a commitment to export more. And what is that going to do to our economy? I mean, people are talking about, you know, the labor shortage and supply chain crisis. And I'm talking about like the energy crisis. Yeah. I mean, okay, what if everything gets back on track and the cost of power and natural gas is double? Yeah. What does that do? That is, that is a forced recession. Absolutely. So um, it maybe because it's the complexity of the topic, you don't hear about it a lot. Well, no, I think like you in your role in particular, like you have this depth of knowledge and expertise, and you're around it so much that it is something that we should be paying attention to, and it's something that it is uh, clearly a. a global crisis looming that um, we're going to feel the consequences of very much in the Dayton area and and across the country for sure. Absolutely. Um, So I think that's a fantastic suggestion and something that we can look at. Um, What do you hope to see in Dayton five years from now? Wow. Well, I hope to see the continued growth that we're having. Definitely. I mean, regionally we're growing, although I think the population of Montgomery County saw a little bit of a decline. That's very much in line with what Ohio has seen overall. So I don't know that it's the the quantity of the people as much as the quality of the people. I believe that we're bringing great quality people into this region. We're bringing a lot of new new businesses downtown, businesses relocating from around the region. And um, this next generation of leadership that's coming in and the ideas that they have in Generation Z. What is Generation Z going to do? I mean, they just have me on my toes. Yeah. They really do. I used to go around talking about millennials in the workplace and what does that mean? And, you know, 
boomers and Gen X are like, oh, what are they doing? And you know, <laughs> like they want all this flexibility. And I'm just like, okay, well, here's here's where we come from, and here's how we were raised. And now I'm looking at Generation Z, and, and they're just a completely different beast and animal. And how are they going to shift and change? what's happening so you know what do I want to see more of that diverse talent that's coming down here more population density that we're seeing in downtown a strong downtown leads to a strong region um, the embracement of immigrants you mm -hmm. know some of that rhetoric towards immigration changing immigrants make a huge impact on Montgomery County it's really amazing I mean over 700 million a year in uh, income from in Montgomery County alone mm -hmm from immigrants, you know, and that's the money paying towards their federal taxes and state taxes. And then the balance of that money is going towards local restaurants and shops right. and, 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 you know, kids baseball teams. And there's so many different things that they're doing. They are part of this community. And how do we continue to embrace them and see them as a positive thing instead of potentially a hindrance or a burden? Absolutely. And I think I'm really looking forward to both your column coming up and the community conversation that we're going to have on April 13th on immigration and what it looks like for our region. So we're really excited for the topic and we're really, really excited to learn more about it. Um, I was going to ask just real quick, too, about that, that about Gen Z and, you know, the fact that we both kind of came up as millennials and, you know, mm -hmm. it was all, you know, everybody's talking about millennials and how we felt so misunderstood. And just this past Sunday, Ray Marcano interviewed two uh, of his students at Wright State. Uh, who are Gen Z or of that, of that generation and the perception is the same like we they're wildly misunderstood by Millennials boomers Gen X everybody um, so we're, we're seeing that again cycle coming through and so you're excited to see what Gen Z brings to, to the table and what they're capable of um, what would you I guess with your knowledge of I guess going through what we kind of went through as Millennials what do you think Gen Z um, if you were to give them advice or to help tell their story, what do you think uh, Gen Z should ask for? Well, well that's interesting. Uh, well, Gen Z is, they're just so different. Part of that is that they grew up with these phones in their hand. You know, I didn't have my first flip phone until my senior year of high school. Out of college, I sold Blackberries, so I was like the first one to have a smartphone, you know, and it yeah. was like black and white screen. I mean, it didn't do anything except for email, and that was really exciting. And um, now you're talking, I mean, my child knows how to work my iPhone better than I do. You know, Gen Z really at a very young age had access to data and information, mm -hmm. and they viewed the world differently, and they could fact check and look everything up. And I think that they're very sustainably mined. And their minds, they, they understand what's going on. They can see through a lot of the propaganda. They're not really tied up in what's happening with the media. They're not really tied up in politics. And I think that um, sh you know, sharing their perspective and position in a non-combative way, because mm -hmm. sometimes I think it can be combative. Like, sure. oh, okay, boomer. You yeah, know, I mean, absolutely. like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more like here's my perspective and here's where I'm coming from and trying to really open the eyes of those generations that are older than them. And then I think from uh, older generations, from us, you know, through boomers, and especially in the workplace, is just to be accepting mm -hmm. of the value that they bring. And that value sure. is unique, and maybe the way that they do things is different, but they are productive, and mm -hmm. they do make meaningful contributions, and how do we embrace that instead of fighting against it? Because they're this, we're just at the beginning wave of Gen Z coming into yeah. the workplace. And so I think it's just mutual understanding, of, you know, mutual respect. I think that that's gonna be the most important, you know, and it goes both ways. Absolutely, I agree, and I like like I said, it, we went through it. We should understand. Yeah. We should have a little empathy. We should be totally welcoming and you know receptive to their ideas and yeah. what they have to say. It's, you know, now everybody's talking about you know you can't wear 
your hair parted to the side or skinny jeans anymore. And I'm like, well, <laughs> my hair is still parted to the side. I'm not going to go in my skinny jeans. It is what it is. You know, it's like you guys wear your low rise mom jeans. I don't know, whatever they have going on, you know, they're fashion and stuff, but it's just accepting each other. Right. Exactly. It is what it is. And we we're not going to be like you and you're not going to be like us. And let's just embrace that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so yeah, I think we're about to close things out. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Anything you wanted to share that you think is important that people know about? I think that just continuing to be engaged in the local community, there's so much just chatter and, and I don't even know what the word is that I'm looking for, but just so much distraction happening at the federal and the global level. And yes, obviously that impacts us, but people really being focused on what's happening locally. What Dayton Daily News is talking about. What's going on in your backyard? What's happening in your local elections? I think that's important. And we've kind of gotten away from that. We get so wrapped up with Congress and the presidency and the Senate and what are they doing? But what about what's happening in your own city council, in your own backyard? in Montgomery County, you know, the services that are being provided, the issues that are coming up, I mean, how the library is thriving, you know, the value that that provides, all these things, I'd love to see people just, just get a little bit more local with their focus and some of their conversations and some of their debates, because we're not really gonna be able to impact what's happening at the federal level, at the global level, right? We have to kind of let that play its course and elect the people that we want to lead us, but we really can have a big impact here locally. Absolutely. And I think you, again, are a great example of that, Maha. You think you've done a lot. Again, both of us kind of rolling up our sleeves early and, you know, the, the revival of downtown and everything like that and building on what came before then. And, you know, there's just been so much progress. It's excited to see mm -hmm. uh, what, what's coming next and, and what the community is going to reflect the changes that we've we've made that we experienced and that we are going to see happen yeah. uh, with future generations. So thank you so much, Maha, for thank joining you. me today. Thank you for being on the podcast and I hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. This interview took place on April 6th. You can read Maha's April 10th column and a transcript of the community conversation on immigration on DaytonDailyNews.com slash ideas dash voices. Join me next time as we talk to community leaders on topics important to the Dayton region.